Hi, it's Radhika Jones, Editor-in-Chief of Vanity Fair. As we gear up for award season, there's no better time to join us. By becoming a Vanity Fair subscriber, you'll gain exclusive access to our in-depth coverage of film, television, and the best of Hollywood. And that's just the beginning. Vanity Fair takes you inside the worlds of entertainment, culture, politics, and scandal, bringing you iconic images, era-defining stories, and much more. Get 15% off a year of digital access to Vanity Fair by visiting VanityFair.com and using promo code POD15 at checkout. That's VanityFair.com, promo code POD15, for 15% off a full year of insights and exclusive digital access. Subscribe now. Hello and welcome to Little Gold Men, the award season podcast from Vanity Fair and Panoply that's bringing you a new episode every day this week as we make our way to the Academy Awards. I'm still Katie Rich, the deputy editor of VanityFair.com, and I'm here in person with Richard Lawson, Vanity Fair's film critic. I'm still Richard Lawson. Hello. Yeah, and uh, still in Los Angeles is Mike Hogan, Vanity Fair's digital director. Hey guys. Mike, it's now Thursday before the Oscars. I assume the anticipation is building out there and uh, you are polishing some Oscar statues just to practice your speech? People are freaking out. <laughs> Panic in the streets. <laughs> Lines at dry cleaners miles long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're already sweating alcohol. No one has eaten for a week. <laughs> no, that's true. You're not going to the Oscars. Uh, you're going to our party, which we'll talk about later, but you're also not yes. eating just in solidarity, right? I, well, because we're doing this live stream, I have to fit into a tuck. So I haven't eaten since uh, January. That's fair. I really got to get on my training. If only that were true, actually. <laughs> I'd be in much better condition right now. So today we're going to be talking about the last batch of short films, the animated films, and then we'll be joined in a crossover effort by In the Limelight's Julie Miller, who uh, has some stories from inside Vanity Fair Oscar parties past, and she and Mike can tell us about what all of us plebes have been missing all of these years. But yeah, first we'll talk about the short animated films, which, as we keep saying, these are the things that can make or break your Oscar ballot, because who has seen these movies? We have. We have. We have seen these movies, and they are available uh, to rent on iTunes, so you can watch them, but... As we'll discuss, in one of them, watching them on iTunes is really doing a disservice because it's a 360 movie. Which I did not know. Yeah. And so I watched it on the screener that we were sent Mm -hmm. uh, by a kind publicist. And then someone later was like, oh, did you do this? And I was like, I have no idea. Yeah. So this movie Pearl was produced with Google, I think. Yeah. And if you watch it on YouTube, if you Google it, Pearl short film, you can watch it and you uh, can kind of like scroll around and like do a 360 view of the short film that's all set inside a car. Which is an insane thing to do with animation. Yeah. It's a lot to draw or make. You know, I watched Pearl without the 360 just kind of straight and regular and I loved it. it I, yeah, I've got teary. It's a nice movie. It's just about a girl growing up with her musician dad and she becomes a musician. There's no dialogue really. Yeah. It's just kind of all visual. It, I mean, it plays a little bit like a Google ad kind of thing, you know, <laughs> it's sort of sentimental in that way. Yeah. But I thought it was great. I don't know. I was my, my favorite of the bunch, honestly. Yeah. I thought so too. I, I got a little weepy watching yeah. it, which is sort of ridiculous for a six minute music video effectively. But it is, it, 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 it captures the sweep of life, you know, and I also didn't know watching it that it was 360, but it, that explains the kind of strange polygonal animation. Yeah, yeah. You see something like uh, Borrowed Time, where these guys are obviously showing off I mean, Borrowed Time is basically all about the hair blowing in the wind. That's like literally yeah. why it exists, I think. <laughs> yeah. Often that's how it is with, you know, these animated shorts. Somebody's like, oh, wow, we can actually make this happen. Let's make a short, prove it, and then someone will give us money to make a feature. Mm-hmm. Um, 
with Pearl, the, the animation is, I guess, necessarily simpler, but no less inventive. And it makes sense that it's because they're, they're creating a 360 environment. And I think Pearl made me realize what a lot of people say about um, storytelling in video games, where it's something where you can navigate around it yourself. You can kind of be interactive with the story. And with Pearl, where you're kind of choosing what to look at and looking at the dashboard or outside the car and you see other details, like I can see myself watching it four times to see more parts of the story. And it's it makes it a really inventive experience. And I think short films that are animated can be really inventive anyway. And that one really brought it to another level. Yeah. So I liked Pearl. I liked Piper, which is the very cute movie about birds. It's Pixar. It's, <laughs> it's little, little sandpipers on the beach. It's really cute. They're so cute. The animation in that is pretty astounding i mean it's Mm -hmm. there are points where it's almost like photorealistic yeah it looks like you're on the beach yeah um so as a technical feat i mean it's not heavy on you know substance but it's quite something Uh, one that i was sort of confounded by was pear cider and cigarettes yeah that Uh, was a long i knew you were gonna hate that one richard (laughs) (laughs) not not my it's a it's this um canadian film that Wikipedia tells me it had widespread acclaim when it came out and it won some sort of award in Canada. But um, it's this long narrative about this guy and his childhood friend who is this hard living, drinking, smoking kind of guy and the odyssey of his health and, you know, this friendship, essentially. I just the tone just didn't. It was narrated like a film noir, like yeah. kind of like, and then this crazy the dame walked to my door. It's the beautiful. it's beautiful. It's like a yeah. graphic novel, basically. And yeah. I assume, I mean, the character in this autobiographical film is a graphic novelist, so I'm assuming that that's all. Yeah. Uh, so Robert Valley, uh, he worked on Aeon Flux. So if everyone remembers that cartoon, oh yeah, that, yeah. from MTV, yeah. which had this really distinctive look. So. Um, yeah, I mean, it's great to look at. I just, the content of it was not, yeah, it just wasn't me. It's it just, was, I knew, uh, Richard, I watched it and I was like, this is so bro. Richard's it's a little bro. Yeah. Pretty bro. It's very bro-y. Yeah. It's a bro thing to have that guy who can like throw the ball faster than you and drink more than you and has sex when he's 12 and all that stuff. And, and you're fascinated. Techno. techno. And then you're fascinated by them. And, and then not to be stereotypical, but here I go. You know, <laughs> Canadians just have less self-consciousness about this stuff, I feel like, than Americans, you know? It's yeah. just so they can get a little more romanticized than, I don't know. I think that's well put. I think that's that's pretty accurate. Yeah, it has a very Vancouver vibe about it. <laughs> yeah, it's very Vancouver version of like, my cool friend was so cool, like without even ever kind of stopping to be like, his name was Techno, which is actually corny. <laughs> you know, it's just, there's never a pause in the romanticization of the destruction of this wonder kid. But, you know, yeah, it looks good, and I, I didn't hate it, but I figured probably the Academy, it's not their cup of tea. And then, do, does anyone know what to make of Blind Vaisha, the, maybe the grimmest movie, including all the documentary shorts? Yeah, it's this weird sort of fable-like yeah. story narrated by a Canadian actress about um, seeing both past and future but not the present i mean it i don't know and you kind of wonder like how it's going to resolve itself and then it just doesn't yeah it's, it's like, about oh, a woe to us all it's about a girl who has one eye that can see the future and one mm-hmm. eye that can see the past and and then things happen basically but yeah it ends on this note of like oh <laughs> shit yeah i feel like one of the things that, that's nice about growing up and not being stuck in a crib is you don't have to listen to stories like this from people <laughs> That's, you know, yeah. that's my view. moralizing, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't think that's going to win. What do we think is going to win? I, um, Piper? I mean, Gold Derby just has Piper, because per- presumably because it's Pixar. It's and it's pretty cute. Kind of but Pixar doesn't have the track record in this that you might think it does. Like, yeah. Disney and Pixar win once in a while, but not every year by any means. So I kind of feel like Pearl might have an edge here, because it's if you watch it as 360, you're pretty impressed by it. 
Yeah. How about it being in very last place on Gold Derby? Does that matter at all? <laughs> Probably not. I don't know. How many of these Academy voters are going to do the 360 experience, though? It's a good question. You know? I mean, it's it's very accessible. It's probably the most accessible of the bunch because it's on yeah. YouTube as soon as you Google it. But don't it. they just watch it all on screeners that get sent to their houses? Yeah, that's or, the question. Is yeah, If you just watch Pearl on a screener, computers. you're like, oh, it's fine. I think yeah. the voters who brought in this past year will probably figure it out and right. no other voters. Right. So does that mean Piper wins or not? I'm going to say Piper know. wins. I'm going to say it wins, but but I, it probably will win. I might vote for Pearl just in a hope to s- steal a point. I don't know. I seem to be completely disagreeing with everybody on all of the shorts. <laughs> well, and we're here like we're here to help you win your Oscar ballot. And we're like, I don't know. <laughs> well, okay, so we disagree with everything. But I do think a lot of people are just kind of like going with, you know, people aren't watching them. They're just kind of going with like, oh, okay, it must be the Pixar one. So I think Pearl could win. If only I had one eye that could see the past and one that could see the future. You could, could win. Either. You could understand the context of the Oscars yeah. and um, then win your ballot. VF.com has Piper winning. So that's, All right. that's our official pick. Right. But um, who the, you know, again, we're, we're not, we're, we're not, <laughs> and, we're not wizards. And then on Gold Derby, Blind Vaisha, which we all hated, is second. So I don't, I mean, I just, is anyone even paying any attention or is this just like Jeffrey Wells goes in here and votes and then everybody else just follows? But see, we've now set ourselves up that we're invested. So we're going to be the one people watching that because she's like, oh my God, Blind Vaisha. And everybody's <laughs> yes. like, what is Are wrong you with you? kidding me? Yeah, the, the, the big Blind Vaisha upset of 2017. <laughs> this, this is why it's good we don't go to actual Oscar watching parties. We're like hunched over our laptops with our yeah. Workers, we're not ruining anybody else's experience everyone on gold derby you're right mike oh, well, except for one person has borrowed time everyone else has piper or no two people have borrowed time in fairness i have piper and i did it before i had watched them so you know you never know i mean when in doubt going with the pixar one like it doesn't always win but what else are you gonna do it's easy it's accessible it's pretty done that bird's real cute yeah so now we're joined in a special In the Limelight Little Gold Men crossover effort by Julie Miller, uh, who you hopefully all know from In the Limelight with Josh Duboff. Julie, hi. 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 This is so exciting. Longtime fan of the pod. <laughs> Thanks. I mean, this is super overdue to have you on. Um, and it felt perfect because we wanted to talk about the Vanity Fair Oscar party, which is obviously happening on Sunday after the Oscars. And uh, you have been writing the party reports for VF.com from inside the party for five years now. How long? Three. This will be my fourth year. Okay. So Mike, Mike is a battle-worn vet compared to me. But I've <laughs> oh, been yeah. going ever since they switched locations from the Sunset Tower. Uh, I've been covering. And Mike, when was your first Vanity Fair Oscar party? Uh, what year did A Beautiful Mind win? Two thousand, or maybe it was two. Th- maybe the Oscars were in two thousand one. But yeah, yeah. So I, I back in those days, I'm going to just be honest about how I got in there. <laughs> Back in those days, you could pull moves like this one. Justin Bishop and I um, <laughs> said, accurately or not, that we were just going to happen to be in L.A. that night. And would it be cool if we came to the party? And so they were kind enough to let us in. So we got like a late ticket and got to experience the whole thing just as a, on a full-on guest level. Oh, my God. No one even made you like handle parking passes or no, we didn't have to do talent. anything. Oh, my God. Th- again, this is just a completely different era of yeah, time. This will know? never happen again. <laughs> I was going to say Richard is also going to be in L.A. It just happens. <laughs> yeah, right. exactly. oh, yeah. yeah, I just got a cheap <laughs> deal on Southwest. <laughs> right. <laughs> so and we, we uh, hung out with the Olsen twins, you know, very chastely because they were about 12. Yeah. Oh, my God. And I embarrassed myself with uh, Tobey Maguire when I told him I was very excited to see him in Superman <gasps> and he just said Spider-Man and turned around and walked away and that was that was the big <laughs> moment for, for <laughs> I, 
No uh, sense of humor. He took that yeah. very seriously. <laughs> I get in trouble when I ask people about their upcoming or past Spider-Man uh, things, it turns out. We had a similar awkwardness with uh, Andrew G. But anyway, yeah, so that was exciting. So, Julie, when you go to the party, you're there to write the party report and you kind of have to be the fly on the wall. Like you're not going around and like getting quotes from people as much as you're like being like, oh, who is Brie Larson standing next to? How does that work when you're just in a sea of celebrities and you have to figure out where the hell to focus? Well, Katie, it's pretty easy to blend in. <laughs> no, no one's really craning their necks to see who who I am in the corner. Um, it, it's you have to mentally prepare. Uh, my mantra throughout the night is look less impressed because I feel like if I were to take a selfie of myself at any point in the time, my jaw would just be on the floor. It's hard because everybody, you know, Jane Fonda is talking to Angelica Houston. It's a lot of very weird groupings. One year, I remember. I remember seeing Benedict Cumberbatch flanked by Colin sisters, Joan and Jackie eating oh, wow. in and out burgers, just, you know, I guess <laughs> as you would. But it was kind of reassuring. I think two years ago, everybody in that room is so cool, unfazed by anything. But Beyonce and Jay-Z walked in and there was definitely an energy shift. And even like the coolest members of Hollywood and technology and politics all kind of turned around and were staring at them as uncoolly as I was. Um, And I remember my favorite moment from the Beyonce year was this poor, nerdy, below-the-line Oscar winner had his statue and he was just he spent I watched him spend 10 full minutes trying to work up the courage to go over and introduce himself and his date kept, <laughs> his date kept telling him like honey you won an Oscar tonight you can do anything but still that was not enough <laughs> did he finally do it did he ever do it no dear listener oh. he did not <laughs> oh that's sad that's no good. Um, well I've had the pleasure of seeing Julia at work at the can VF party mm-hmm. and she's she's quite good at um julie you have a kind of different mode when when you're at these things yeah it's good it's you turn into sort of a i don't know i don't know what the word is but um is there anything that you're particularly anticipating this year given the crop of nominees or anything like that i heard a rumor i don't know if i'm allowed to say this but i heard a rumor that emma stone like rented a party bus and is going to be taking all of her old friends around is already planning the party circuit oh my god that's exactly what i hope i would do if i were gonna win an oscar like just bring on the entourage sure right so i'm very excited to see her i think that'll be one of the big standouts i hope and praying for beyonce and the twins really hope that comes together that would be (laughs) there's no events including like just sunday brunch with the girls where i'm not hoping for a beyonce (laughs) mike who are you excited to see this year well i mean emma stone obviously all the all the big winners i'm excited to see i hope that sunny from lion is there (gasps) i've met him once already but uh you know kids are often i remember the year that slumdog won really late Danny Boyle and Dev Patel and all the kids from the movie came in and danced up a storm. This was when we were at the Sunset Tower. That was one of the really special moments. Julie, I think you were with me when um, Bill Murray and Lupita were dancing up a storm in the back. With her Oscar. Right. Do you think I'm sexy? Rod Stewart. Wow. That's what it was. Yeah, that was that was pretty epic. And then last year, Julie and I just did a really horrific act of tag team stalking of Leo DiCaprio yes. um, for about 45 minutes trying to get him to uh, take a portrait. Um, Speak for was, yourself. Mine was very like refined. And <laughs> you, you, were, 
you were in the background. I was like actively harassing Sean Sachs the whole time. But, uh, you know, the winners are always fun. And then, yeah, one of the great things that Graydon is good at, Graydon Carter, our amazing boss who puts the whole party together and personally hosts it, is, is finding those unexpected people. It's always fun to see who he pulls out of the news and into this environment, you know. And I think that's one of the things that always makes it special. You know, because otherwise there's a million Hollywood parties, but this one is notable not just for the sheer density of uh, celebrity attendees, but also for those kinds of quirky, interesting picks. You know, the, the year Sully, he invited Sully. I'm trying to think of what the famous ones were. Well, over Monica the years. Lewinsky was a famous one years ago, right? The, her first That's Oscar right. party. Yeah. Back then. Now she's a regular. Yeah. Well, I remember last year, Mike, you said you, um, both Monica and Megan Kelly, who had recently been on the cover of VF, were there, and you tried to get them to take a photo together, and both of them knew better. To, to, yeah. <laughs> they, I got to watch them chat. They had a good conversation, but yeah, they were, they, 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 they knew. <laughs> Caitlyn Jenner was there last year. That was another big newsy. Mm-hmm. It's always fun also seeing who comes up and pays respect to the new Oscar winners. Like I remember Leo, as we were watching, was sitting there. He took his mom. He had his e-cigarette. He had his Oscar. And everybody from like Puff Daddy and Chris Rock to Faye Dunaway came up <laughs> to kind of kiss the ring and congratulate him the year that Jennifer Lawrence won. I remember Adrian Brody came up to introduce himself and she said, Oh no, no, we actually met five years ago at Sundance when I was there for winter's bone. And he, he looked like so embarrassed. And she said, don't worry. You were very nice to me. (laughs) Well, they really are just like, us. I know. Well, so I was, I was there last year out in LA for the party, but I was, you know, in the back room working until the very end. And by the time I got in, most of the people who were left were some of the below the line winners who in a lot of cases wouldn't be invited. But once you have the Oscar in hand, you're automatically added to the list, which I think is another genius stroke of this whole party. And I mean, Mike and Julie, you guys probably agree. They are the most enthusiastic, most fun party goers because they are having the best time. They may, you know, they may think that they're never going to be back. Julie, one of the visual effects winners for Ex Machina let us hold his Oscar, which was a big highlight my life that was thrilling yeah i feel like they really add a lot you're in this room and you might not recognize people but you just see these like gold statues kind of floating around the room it's really fun so mike this might be a good time to plug our live stream which uh julie you'll be part of too so what kind of glimpses are we going to give people of the oscar party this year so this is a new thing that we've never done before uh we will be live streaming from a studio that we're building next to the in and out burger thing one of the famous things about the party is that people have been starving themselves for months and uh, there are free In-N-Out burgers that are kind of handed out all night. But we'll be in a studio next door, and we'll be talking. It'll be Katie and me, Phoebe Robinson from Two Dope Queens, and Michelle Collins will be on the red carpet interviewing people. We're going to have cameras on the red carpet, so you don't have to watch us so much as you can watch all the arrivals. Don't worry. We, He's not just and we will be. We will be like sports casting, you know, so we'll, we'll be in Bob Costas mode or whatever, something hopefully less annoying than that. And we'll be talking about what just happened during the show, who won, who surprised us, what were the snubs, and then transitioning to what are people wearing, what's the gossip, what's the fun. Julie and Josh are going to come on and do a special in the limelight type conversation, hopefully with Michael Carl, our, our um market director and we'll have some special guests both on the carpet and hopefully we'll get some fun people into the uh, studio to hang out with us so we don't know what the heck this thing's going to be but i think it should be a lot of fun we're going to try and capture the sort of late night 
anything can happen spirit and just see how it goes. We may be in in and out on camera by the end of the night. Yeah, it could happen. And then it's sponsored by Dom Perignon. So (laughs) might be really drunk about an hour and a half in. Well, I'll be watching from home. I'll be there in spirit. Yeah, I think it's cool. I think it's a neat idea. And I think people are so curious, you know, pictures from the green carpet. They're always circulate, you know, they're Mm -hmm. often used in other publications. It's rare that we get a glimpse kind of further in but more backstage i think people will be interested in that yeah and this will be the first time really that you can watch the carpet arrivals happening yeah. in in real time so i think that that alone is pretty cool and we'll we'll try and keep it interesting the commentary and then you know we're not going to probably have cameras inside the party but we'll find ways to get you in there and we'll have your insights about it you know yeah and everything julie has historically texted me about what she sees and what leo is eating uh we'll just share right live on the air yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be the perfect insight so from ConstructVF.com, the live stream will be there as well as on our Facebook and Twitter feeds. And uh, Julie, thank you so much for joining us for this exciting crossover episode. Thanks for having me, guys. And now we're getting back into the predictions game and also rejoined by Joanna to do our predictions for Best Actor and Best Actress. I think maybe if we start with Best Actor, that's maybe the juiciest story here. When Denzel Washington won the SAG Award, it really seemed like it was throwing this category into a little bit of disarray. So... Do any of us want to go with it and say Denzel wins instead of Casey Affleck? I'm going to say it. Yeah? Yeah. Maybe it's because I want it to happen. Um, Not that I don't think Casey Affleck is good in that movie, but I think Denzel is just really great in Fences. And I don't know. I think that it was a nice moment on the Sags when he won. It was a nice surprise. People like a surprise. You know, like, I just think there was like a, there seemed to be some momentum behind him. You know, Casey Affleck winning at at the BAFTAs might slow that momentum some, but I don't know. That's going to be my one big go out on a limb. I I want to go out on a limb on this category too, but for Andrew Garfield. (gasps) Yes. Friend of the show, Andrew Garfield. (laughs) Friend of the show, Andrew Garfield. I'm going to put my chips on Andrew Garfield, even though it's a terrible bet. And um, <laughs> Explain yourself. Show your work. I mean, maybe it's the Emma-Andrew narrative as part of it. Like part of my wishful thinking, if Emma Stone and Andrew Garfield, who are like very, very chummy exes and lovely humans, it seems, to have that narrative. You want them clinking their Oscars backstage with uh, yes. Viola Davis? I thought he was very good, as we've all discussed, in Hacksaw Ridge and in Silence. Like, he's got, like, that twofer award momentum going for him. And, um, you know, I think if we agree that the reason why Casey Affleck wouldn't win is not because his performance wasn't great, but for personal reasons, right? Um, then, you know, Denzel Washington is a good anecdote for that, but like Andrew Garfield is too, because from everything that I've seen, both like in interviews and and from behind the scenes stories from these functions and his charming interview with you guys, like he is just sunshine and light personified, it seems to me. So, you know, the anti-Casey is what Andrew Garfield would be. <laughs> well, it's really, he's, you know, I could see women in the age of Trump just being like, I can't, I can't, cast this vote yeah i i could really imagine that are there enough women in the academy for well, that that's to make a good a question difference? you know i mean that's that's changing but that that yeah. may not be enough you know i think denzel the problem for denzel is his character on the one hand is like a tough love guy on the other hand he's kind of a he's jerk a, yeah i mean yeah, he's, he's a horrible real jerk his son and yeah and his wife and Andrew is playing a saint. Yeah. You know, Casey's playing a jerk, but at least he's emotionally wrecked and you can see it and he's crying and all that yeah. stuff. I mean, another thing I do think another problem Manchester has is is people know how unbelievably dark and upsetting yeah. it is and they don't want to watch it. Yeah. I mean, I have spoken to plenty of people who said that. I mean, they're not Academy voters, but yeah, there is yeah. a kind of general sentiment. I think the other thing which is, you know, which helps 
Affleck's chances is that we do exist in something of a bubble where these conversations about allegations from his past are very prevalent, very on the surface. Not everyone, even in the academy, even in L.A., is that plugged into this stuff. There could very well be voters who don't even know, you know, who, oh, yeah. who aren't even and, aware of anything. And, any and of probably stuff. also voters who are like, these things happen. I've worked in this business a long time. Right. I hear about false claim you know what i mean right. it, it may be that people I, but then I, I a lot know. of those voters might also have been like oh denzel i love denzel like he's been this pillar yeah. of the industry for th- three decades well denzel has the i want to be him thing which we've discussed mm-hmm. in the past right um, or i want to work with him yes yeah. yeah 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 that's why i think he's gonna i don't know i i might hunch is that he's gonna win just because he's the kind of reassuring figure that i don't know maybe we want right now i don't know i mean the anecdote that might convince me more than anything is our guest earlier this week roger russ williams the director of life animated was at the luncheon where everyone goes and stands up on the risers and you know takes the awkward family photo and as uh, denzel was up i guess on a higher riser and as pharrell came up he was wearing his ripped jeans and sweatshirts and denzel kind of shouted and like called him out for not dressing to the dress code and everyone laughed like it was you know the thing that only denzel washington can do and you're in a room full of your peers and he's like the glowing star in the middle of it that's powerful Mm -hmm. yeah but I still think Casey's going to win. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if we want to talk all the time about how the concept of the movie star is over or at least waning, then like, yeah, Denzel and Meryl are, you know, are figures from a different time when, when you were a movie star. And now your Andrew Garfields and your Casey Afflecks are not, you know, despite being Spider-Man or Ben's brother, are not quite there and may never be just because of the way the system works now. I mean, is there... Is there any chance Ryan Gosling sort of smirk shuffles his way in here? <laughs> I don't think so. Sashay says, no. Yeah. no. Poor I mean, Vigo is just happy to be nominated. Yeah. He's very happy to be nominated. Yeah, sure. He's not poor at all. I still think Casey's going to win, but I don't know. This is not a strong prediction. Well, for but that's me. two for Casey, one for Garfield, and one for Denzel. So I think we're predicting that Casey's going to win. Yeah. 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 I, I guess, guess so. We have our official picks on the website. Yeah. So consult those for your Oscar pool, but. Yeah, sure. As far as the podcast in this, goes. In this conversation. Those as seem of very this confident. Moment. But remember Richard and Joanna Fondly, if there is an upset, remember one of us I and know. say, wow. One of you was right. It's <laughs> those two. It's all upside for you guys. Yeah. Going out on the limb. It's all upside. <laughs> well, then we should talk about Best Actress, which I think we all feel a little bit more confident about. I think we we have said on the show that Emma Stone was basically just trying not to screw anything up throughout this process because she's yeah. been a front runner for so long. Uh-huh. And I don't think she has. It's hard to a lovely speech at the BAFTAs. Yeah. I mean, she's also like, she doesn't seem like the kind of person who would do some weird PR flop or like oh. get in a fight to ruin her Oscar chances. Uh, yeah. How was, I didn't watch the Baptist. What was her speech like? Oh, it was just, it, you know, it was her typical kind of like, oh gosh, you know, like yeah. a little flustered, but gracious. And then, you know, she made a, a broader allusion to living in difficult times and in a movie like La La Land celebrating creativity and things like that. You know, it, she said the kind of thing that people in the industry want to hear in terms of validating um, not only why they picked this kind of lighter movie, but also why their work matters, you know. So yeah. that's a good tone to strike, I think. Yeah, I think that's kind of the, the La La Land party line, which I think is, yeah. a, you know, a fair... Uh, I'm glad they dropped the kind of underdog narrative. Yeah, well, because it's so... Well, that's, that ain't working. Not the underdog yeah. anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Anybody else think uh, Emma doesn't have it in the bag? <laughs> I think Annette Benning could win. Yeah, that was me. I guess like I guess I really they transferred over to a different parallel universe where Hillary Clinton is president and Annette Bening is going to win an Oscar. There's no 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 one else can beat her. I don't think there's no way. I think it's done. Yeah, and I will say, guys, September fourth, two thousand sixteen, a more innocent time for us all. 
I tweeted, bold prediction, pre-Toronto, pre-New York Film Festival, Emma Stone is going to win Best Actress at the damn Oscars. Mm. So that was based on Telluride. Um, so Richard wants credit for Denzel and Emma. Yeah. I mean, I want credit okay. for all of it. No. Yeah. But um, <laughs> that was my go out on a limb for a redhead yeah. tweet of that year, which I did also for a different redhead for, with Eddie Redmayne from mm. Toronto. This could be a whole episode. Just Richard. Yeah. So when Jessica Chastain finally my, my wins. My list of ginger winners. Ginger predictions. <laughs> ginger winners. Yeah, well, congratulations, Emma Stone. We're excited. I mean, um, watch her not get it. Then we'll really. That would be dumb. just like. Then a, Kelly and Conway will be like, you got it wrong. You should oh. be, you should quit. <laughs> <laughs> so what? Natalie Portman wins? Like, or Meryl somehow? Meryl comes out just on pure. Meryl's great in Florence Foster Jenkins. I want to be clear about that. The movie is fine, but she's really great in it. I don't think she's going to win, though. Yeah, it's not. Do you think Natalie Meryl. Portman is so sick of this? Who would you be like? Kind of happy and excited for if oh they Ruth Nega, if Ruth Nega want to explode, Isabella that'd be amazing. For me. Isabella yeah, I would Pair say would Isabella Pair. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Our shadow Oscars really have a lot of alone in a category. Katie. <laughs> Ruth Nega is on the Vanity Fair Hollywood issue cover. She's posing in this gold dress. She looks like an Oscar. It's just like that is just like the most star is born shot. So um, she's charming. I mean, yeah, I feel like it's a chance. great it's a great debut Definitely. for her. You know. I'm not worried about her career. For it's a on. it's a lovely film. It's funny it got, it's gotten kind of com- almost completely forgotten, which we saw happening in real time. But yeah, you know, yeah, go back and listen to our episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so congratulations to Emma Stone and Casey Affleck slash Denzel Washington. We'll see what slash happens. Andrew Garfield. Slash Andrew Garfield. Slash Andrew Garfield. Oh my God, I'm already trying to erase him from history. And uh, if Andrew and Emma both win, and get to clink their Oscars, Joanna. That would be very good for ratings. Yeah, very good for right. ratings. And uh, I hope mm-hmm. Joanna will make a gif of it that we can all. Oh yeah, uh, use that'd be to good celebrate. for traffic. <laughs> it's all about what's going to be good for our travel. Yeah. I will give mm-hmm. it from every angle, guys. <laughs> that does it for today's episode. We'll be back tomorrow with one more for the week as we lead up to the Oscars. We'll be talking about Best Picture and lots of other fun stuff. In the meantime, we're all at VanityFair.com where we have predictions and there's all kinds of other great stuff happening. And you can also follow us at Little Gold Men on Twitter where we still love hearing from you. This episode was edited and produced by Alana Milner and thanks as always to Laura Mayer and Andy Bowers at Panoply. <laughs> 